Hello everyone, welcome back to Morgan Hasn't Seen and our Fringe Marvel movie series where we go forward just a few years from last week. We were in 2004 with Thomas Jane's The Punisher last Wednesday and we're in 2007 with a fiery skull of doom or whatever you want to call this ridiculous character <laughs> and this ridiculous movie we have today because we're talking about Nick Cage's Ghost Rider. Yes. Which is weird, isn't it? <laughs> and is a strange movie uh, with a strange character that is strangely made. Yes, some very interesting and... character choices um, from Nick Cage. I mean, he is, it's one of those cases where the actor actually really knows the character well, is kind of obsessed with it. He loves the comics, he loves this character, and was really adamant about playing this character. Um, so the weird eccentricities that he decided to <laughs> add on to this character, I don't know take away from the seriousness and the toughness i think of this character a little bit i don't i don't know i don't know if those were i don't know if those things are inherent to the character i don't i wouldn't think so but <laughs> um somehow it feels somehow. very much just nick cage choices a lot of the silly things he he was doing in this movie Somehow Nick Cage's obsession with Ghost Rider does not surprise me in the slightest because it's exactly the kind of out there character you would expect Nick Cage to just fall head over heels for. And I think I, I, I'm going to struggle to not naturally compare this movie to my favourite movie from the Fringe DC series that we did in june which was constantine oh okay i think so i'm gonna struggle got to the not demons and devil type yeah. things happening here so yeah we have a, some comparisons can be made a cursed protagonist who has battles with the actual devil yes. so i think it's natural to compare those two and what i think constantine always did really well was take itself absolutely seriously while obviously being fantastical obviously being heightened but really ground itself really or grounded itself and and, and really you know had a lot of genuine serious time within that movie to to actually get you to feel a lot for John Constantine and, and, and to get you to really understand him as a person and be very interested, very invested in the mystery of that movie that was going on. I don't think the same can be said for Nick Cage's Ghost Rider. I think ultimately it's quite, I mean, similar to what I thought really about Thomas Jane's The Punisher, it's a surface movie. Yes. There's, uh, when it when it tries to have some substance to it, some emotion to it, it, it doesn't ever seem to go far enough to actually yes. get you to feel yes. anything real for anything that's going no, on. No, they give you enough subject matter to see that there's potential to delve deeper, but it just never does. No, and I you know, I'm I'm not at all familiar with the character of Ghost Rider, so we're obviously go going to be in that realm of does this movie make me want to go and learn more about Ghost Rider and therefore is it a successful comic book movie in my eyes? Yes and no, really, <laughs> because I can't help but being but be but be interested in this character after watching this movie or whilst watching this movie because I think the concept of it is is really very interesting. And I think that's probably because it is quite similar to something like Constantine, the cursed protagonist battling with the devil and demons. I I, I like that kind of thing. Um, just uh, naturally, I like that kind of thing. So yeah. 
I would naturally gravitate to this sort of idea. But it just, it never ever gives me enough to, I think, want to know anymore because I feel like, well, is Ghost Rider, is Johnny Blaze anything other than what this movie showed him to be? And I think in, in other movies, I've seen even even surface level movies, I, I would liken it also to Green Lantern with Ryan Reynolds, in that it's just a very surface movie. Also a visually ugly movie, if we're being honest. I think Ghost Rider is a visually <laughs> ugly movie. I don't yeah. think it I don't think it ever really looks good at all. Even when it's just shots of people on sets, I don't think it looks particularly clean or looks nice or anything like that there's a certain i mean maybe there's a certain um high budget super 2007 superhero movie aesthetic to it perhaps there's that <laughs> but you can also think of i mean there's there's other superhero movies around this time that look beautiful that look you know rather stunning you think of whether it's the Batman movies or even, you know, Raimi's Spider-Man for as, as kind of goofy yes, as they you can are. At least... Sometimes they look great. Yes, you so can at least point to some interesting great. and well-done visual things. But here, yeah, like even the visual stuff in this is very service level. And this was also an opportunity to do a really solid mix of practical and digital effects, especially with like the transformation into the character that, you know, is very visually interesting but they go kind of the full cgi route and it doesn't look as good as i think it could have looked i mean think as far back as something like uh you know american werewolf in london and how well that yeah. transformation holds up now all done practically imagine doing something like that tearing out of your skin into the skeleton that was something really cool i think had they done this combination of practical effects and digital effects to make the flames and things like that would have looked incredibly cool but you know they opted to not really <laughs> go with no. the character I think, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't have minded. So at least yeah, cool visual things could have at least spoken for the lack of uh, of depth that this movie had. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And I think that would have, you know, had it have not been visually ugly to look at, I think it would have, you know, worked a lot in its favour in, in kind of my enjoyment of watching the Ghost Rider movie, to be honest with you. And I think it's reasonable to do obviously you look at a picture of ghost rider a flaming skull on a person's body is, yeah. is, is is what ghost rider is i think doing obviously the flames as as cg obviously you have to do that yeah but I, I i do think you could make up a face to look like a skull yeah. with makeup you you could do that I don't see why you couldn't do that. Yeah. And it would certainly, I think, have looked a hell of a lot better, I think, because, I mean, not only does, because it is, and I'm I'm in my own head again, I'm, I'm kind of, I don't necessarily want to contradict myself, because I all, because it, I almost would feel like it would be easier if I didn't like anything about this movie. But again, I think similar to last week, there's there's ideas, there's a, there's a character here that I do quite like the idea of. There's just very little actually about this particular movie that I'm 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 drawn to that I'm yes, and they by. barely and they barely touch on what makes him special or what differentiates him because. You know, we talk a lot about in this movie of other characters who gave up their souls for selfish reasons. Yeah. And he is unique and he has this drive to uh, avenge people and do good, even in this kind of scary, monstrous form, because he is somebody who gave up his soul for love. And they mention that maybe once in the whole movie and touch on that maybe once. So the fact that they didn't really 
hold on to that aspect and delve into it. And we only get it through these really kind of cornily delivered lines from Nick Cage, who is a great actor, but he delivers these, you know, character lines, like these comic book talking bubble lines, very, you know, dryly and not, and, and, you know, with not yeah. a lot of real human emotion, it feels very um, false, I guess, to and, me. And it's strange to me that because, like you said before, if Nick Cage is so into this character, passionate about this character, yeah, then you almost want him to give it more than he's yeah, giving put it in more this movie. But whether this lines. is whether this is this is not purely on nick cage at all like we say we we enjoy nick cage a great deal oh yeah there are several moments in the film where he's very entertaining um yeah earlier on this year we did a whole series on nick cage we enjoy the various forms of nicholas cage and when he is going full cage shall we say in this movie during transformation scenes during kind of the more action heavy scenes i think he's at his best in this movie during those scenes when he's allowed to get a bit louder and a bit more expressive but even when he's doing these eccentricities with the character you know eating jelly beans out of a martini glass and drinking coffee straight out of the pot and listening to the carpenters and laughing ridiculously at monkeys doing silly things on tv yeah (laughs) yeah it's I don't know if it's just a. Uh, it's character choices that are made, I think, as a collective from the creatives behind this movie that ultimately just kind of. You sat there going, that's a bit strange, isn't it? And it, it yes. really. Does it fit? I don't know if it does fit. No, it doesn't and- fit. What surprises me, though, is this movie was directed by Mark Stephen Johnson. He also is credited, I think, for the screenplay, and and, and he wrote it as well. Um, He also did Daredevil. So once we get to Daredevil, you'll see he, you know, Daredevil has a lot of tragic things happening in his story as well. And he actually, there's more of an effort to delve into the emotional trauma of that character so the fact that the same director was able to at least on some degree tap into the darkness and tragedy of one character but doesn't really do it with this one is just kind of weird to me as well and it feels like it would be so oh it would be straightforward to do with this one because it it's hellish it's demonic you're dealing yes. with Peter Fonda as as Mephistopheles, the devil. And Peter Fonda isn't in the movie a great deal, and he's doing okay when he's there. But, I mean, if we're talking about, you know, comic book movie, mid-2000s comic book movie depictions of Satan, Peter Stomari and Constantine is just head and shoulders. And, like, they have probably the same amount of screen time. And who uses it better? Yeah. It's so well done in Constantine, and it's almost like they've they've gotten Peter Fonda in because he's a a, a slightly older actor, a, a, you know, a generationally respected actor. And oh, let's get him in to do the devil. He might do something interesting, and he's not necessarily doing much. He's there. It's interesting that he is there, but. He never really seems to me to hold much sway or hold much threat yes, or anything like that. And because he's meant to be this presence that's always watching, that's that has caused this trauma for this character, you want to feel this sense that this character is always looming or you, you know, glimmers of him watching or do something to make us feel this character constantly, you know throughout the whole movie but we only kind of remember him when he's on screen like they don't do yeah. enough to make him feel like this looming ominous presence that's constantly haunting this character which is what they should have kind of tapped into 
Yeah, it, it, and if there's one constant presence that actually feels like a, a constant presence in the background watching over things in this movie, I think it would have to be Sam Elliott, who yes. actually does feel like that from a positive <laughs> perspective because Sam Elliott's here playing as a character called the caretaker who we learn is the original yes. ghost rider carter slade <laughs> who um, that name. Did, a yeah. uh, did a deal with the devil and, and but then rejected or, or rejected he was a texas ranger who took this deal for selfish reasons um and then when he was asked to get this contract for all of these souls he realized if he if the devil has this contract he's going to do some bad things with it so he outran the devil and took the contract because he knew how dangerous it could be in the devil's yeah. hands. And so he's since kind of been hiding out on this cemetery, but we don't find out that he's actually the same person until later in the film. Oh. So I think that, you know, I think we can allude to that, but I think it's a fun, it's a, that was one of the things I did like how they kind of bided their time revealing who he yeah. really was. Yeah, because we see them, you know, him talking to Nick Cage at the gravestone of Carter Slade, and he's telling the story of this ranger who lost his way, who sold his soul, but then ultimately saw what the devil could do with this contract and outran the devil. And I love how he describes it as he literally like outran the devil. Yeah, um, it just I, makes it sound so cool. I think he, I think I think he's the one person in the movie really that he is bringing any any depth to it and any kind of below the surface interest to yes. the world to the characters to the movie itself and i think this perhaps is just sam elliott's natural yes he yeah listen to the man speak. yes he has this great narrative quality this great charm in telling a story so when he's telling a story it doesn't just feel like lazy exposition it feels like he's really informing you he's setting the scene and the stage and um, yeah so he does that really well so i think he's probably one of my favorite parts of this movie is just him you know advising this character filling him in on what he's in for um and being this great doing it in this great kind of storyteller way which is more yeah. interesting than just some boring exposition which is what we would normally get in a movie like this yeah absolutely and he's what we get for the vast majority of the rest of the movie yeah. um it, it's just it's absolutely wonderful casting as well, yes. I mean, uh, an an undead or somewhat immortal old Texas Ranger is just perfect. Perfect for Sam Elliott, and oh, and I know. Can we just talk you, about his hair for a minute, like yes, he's giving, you do have he's a giving, fondness for Sam Elliott. He's giving Roadhouse hair in that the best gif on the internet of him pulling his hair back in the hair tie, like yeah, this was you, like. Ah. Peak Sam Elliott right here. Like, yeah. I mean, I don't speak to a great many people about this kind of thing, but you are the only person I've ever come across who has such a fondness for Sam Elliott. <laughs> from if a you physical, talk, attractive, you have you have to talk to other women because I don't like anytime I, I do, mention I, Sam I, Elliott to other women, like they may not inherently just bring him up, but if you, I, I have said Sam Elliott to other women and they're like oh immediately. yeah and they get it they just immediately well, maybe i'll start it. doing that then <laughs> yes because yeah this era of sam elliott mm -hmm. it's just everything <laughs> just every, the hair the mustache the voice everything all of it all of it yes the attitude the yes charm the way and i understand i just like how he calls her he calls a Johnny Blaze bonehead. <laughs> yes, all the time because he's yes, got a and he and like he's able to have the serious tone, but also bring in the light comedic nature without it being very corny and over the top. Yeah. Uh, so he's doing everything just pitch perfect, whereas everyone else is taking it maybe a little too far in moments or not doing enough emotionally in moments. So, I mean, just to get into how the story opens, we have Johnny Blaze as like a young teenager. 
um, him and his father have this stunt show at the fair um, or at the carnival. They're like carnies, essentially, this traveling kind of circus, and they do this stunt show. His father has cancer, um, and then here comes the devil to offer him this deal. Sell me your soul, and I can cure your father. So he takes the deal. His father is cured only for Mephistopheles to like immediately <laughs> kill his father, father in the stunt show. So we see the devious nature of, of this yeah. devil character, obviously. So now he's. You said he, you'd save my father. I he's like, I did. I, I, I didn't get rid of his cancer. So, and you know, also Johnny has this romance with Roxanne, who probably the best young casting in terms of looks right and i want i want to say they dubbed ava mendez's voice just to make it like even more perfect like but this the girl and everything yes it's this girl so looks perfect. exactly like ava mendez so props to uh, that point of the movie of casting this young girl who looks exactly like Eva Mendes. So they have this plan to run away together because Eva Mendes's father wants to move them away. So they have this plan to run away. And then ultimately when he sees his father die and the devil tells him, you know, I'm one day I'm going to call on you for a favor. So you can't have a life. You can't have a family or friends or anything. So instead of running away with her, he ends up just kind of leaving leaving town and abandoning her yeah so i i was gonna bring up that young casting of uh the young version of eva mendes as well i do think that's great but i i do have two other points i would like to just um question okay from the beginning <laughs> of this movie um number one johnny blaze is just a stupid name and <laughs> it, it, it falls into the category of comic book movie or, or comic book names yeah. that are just what the person is, you know. Like you're a stunt man who who jumps through wings of rings of fire, and your name's Janet Blaze, <laughs> and you become a character that is perpetually on fire. Your name is Blaze. It's just like okay, sure, comic books. Yeah. fine we should be used to that by now but for some reason every time it happens every time i see it happen it always just makes me go oh that's stupid i don't like that but that's beside the point also i thought his father was played by chris cooper but it's not chris cooper but no. it's someone who looks a lot like chris cooper you think he looks I like think chris cooper i think he looks like chris cooper i thought chris was cooper cool. was uh norman osborne in the amazing spider-man series <laughs> i've forgotten about that but i thought it looked like chris he looks like chris i'm looking at his photograph now he looks a little bit like chris cooper mm, it's not chris know. cooper no it's not it is but also sam elliott in ghost rider uh more enjoyable than sam elliott in hulk yes well that's mainly because sam elliott in hulk is a horrible person and we don't he is and i was i was on board with him just reprising it you know in a different version of the universe in in replacing um uh william hurt but you know no. Now they're just gonna Sam pay Elliot's, some Sam fakey, They're just gonna pay some fakey mustache on Harrison Ford. It's gonna look weird. Yeah, he's not gonna be he's not gonna grow one. Has Harrison Ford ever had a mustache of anything? Like just a mustache? <laughs> not that I can picture. Think, right? No, I mean he's barely <laughs> he's barely ever facial had like hair facial hair. I think he only had like a full face of facial hair when he was like in the fugitive on the run. <laughs> Like as a yeah. crazy old fugitive man. <laughs> I don't think he's ever purposely had facial hair. Yeah. I don't think he would have a see, No, I, I can't. I can't just see had it. Sam Elliott. Yeah, but Sam Elliott is, I mean, how old is Sam Elliott? He, he is literally he, like around the same age. I think he's younger, like a year or two younger than Harrison Ford. He, he's 79. He's 79, Sam Elliott. Yes. He's not he's not a young man. No, he's not. But See, I think but he's younger Ford than Harris very... Ford. Yes, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Weird. I don't know. 
he could have he could have come back as a different universe version i mean if they're gonna bring back um what's his face as a the boner guy (laughs) who (laughs) in wandavision (laughs) who who are you talking about wandavision wandavision yes yes I'm blanking on his name. Who was Quicksilver, but he wasn't really Quicksilver. Oh, Evan Peters. Oh, yes, yes. I mean, if they can bring him back and make some weird, like, it's not really connected to that type nonsense. Sorry, I forgot that was his name in WandaVision. Yes, turn out he was some actor. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. I forgot that was his name. So if you'd have said Quicksilver, I'd have got it like that. (laughs) I completely forgot that was his name. Anyway, regardless. Yes, um... So, yeah, I think Sam Elliott was probably the best part of this movie. Then we also get um, the son of the devil, who ultimately is where um, the devil comes in to ask for his favor and asks uh, Ghost Rider to stop his son. Yes, uh, played the by of the movie. Yes, his son played by Wes Bentley. So what did you think of Wes Bentley's performance in this film? Well... I mean, aside from just Wes Bentley's performance in the movie, I think Wes Bentley and his group of other devious demons Elemental are the ugliest demons. part of the movie. And I don't yeah. mean that from the fe- fact that these human beings are ugly. I mean from the fact that the visual effects put on top of these people are deeply, deeply ugly. And here is where we're talking Green Lantern levels of ugly visual effects. Yes, you have like this earth guy and this air guy and this water guy. But the kind of... so easily dispatched. So, you know, you could have added to the interest in the action and the fighting with him actually having a good face off between each one of them, but he just kind of takes them out so easily. It's not Yeah, really he just fun. kind of grabs them by the neck and it uses the chain on them. them. Yeah. Or uses the chain. And it's like, okay, fine, sure. <laughs> but like I said, visually, they all have this kind of strange waviness to them. Yeah. And that it seems like they're supposed to come out of thin air. They're supposed to come out of the smoke. And, and, and they it, all have similar coloring. very well. Like, you know, you have this opportunity to play into their elements, maybe make them all have like a distinguishing maybe kind of look and color, but they're all kind of muted together in these dark, you know, dusty colors. So this pale blue and gray, yeah. it's... it's... But they, I mean, they use that to kind of... Yeah, so you have this team of villains working behind Wes Bentley and, like, you would think, you know, they could have done some interesting things with that even. Like, even if they just had done some interesting things costume-wise, visually, um, character-wise, that would have at least, you know, informed or, you know, made up for the lack of depth that this movie ends up having. Um, So, yeah, just to go back to Wes Bentley... Probably not giving the performance of his career because this was a time in Wes Bentley's career where he was heavily addicted to drugs and only taking movie roles to get money to buy more drugs. Which is obviously very sad. And Yes, so he has since sobered up. He's he's, now... We're glad he's out of that. Yes, he's now since married and sober and living a good life on the show Yellowstone. So happy for Wes Bentley. But this was a very dark time in his career when he was simply doing movies to get money to support his drug habit. So probably not giving it his all here, but showing up to do what what he needed to do, I guess. No, and and I'm not going to say you can tell, but you can tell that there's either, or that he is either not giving it his all, because he can be a really good actor in certain roles. He can be very, very effective. Usually, if not always, kind of dark and mysterious and let's call him king of the eyebrows, he can use them (laughs) phenomenally well. Yes. To just invoke this sort of real 
internal mysticism about him, his own characters because for some reason his eyebrows are able to convey this you know that that darkness within does he use them to the full extent in in this movie i think he he sometimes tries to but i think he falls into a trap that near enough everybody else does in this movie perhaps apart from sam elliott and even nick cage does this even though sometimes we enjoy nick cage doing this of an over hammy performance yes getting very kind of cartoonish um nick cage sometimes when he's doing an over hammy performance fits beautifully well into the movie that he's in and strangely enough, I just don't think it does fit beautifully into this fantastical comic book movie. You might think it would do. But when Nick Cage is overhamming it, it 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 feels like you are almost I don't know, not giving this kind of movie the the respect it deserves i yes, guess no, I, I something get what you mean. like that yes because you're dealing with a Despite lot of, of dark I... serious subject matter and the fact yeah. that you know you have all this over the top cartoonish performances happening it really and that's takes fine away from that. yes because you're in a comic yeah. book movie so that is fine but it, it it's not placed properly it's not no it's not spread out properly. well it's very much you know just these random bursts of silliness yeah and and had it been a you know had it had it been obviously and had it wanted to be a a goofier comic book movie than i think it does want to be that overhaminess would work but it's almost as though you're going for a quite a serious dark tone but having everybody perform as though it's a little bit of a comedy. Yeah. And it, it it doesn't it doesn't fit quite well, really. And they also use this very off-putting kind of echo effect on Wes Bentley's voice because he's supposed to be a ghostly demon from hell. But they it it, it makes it sound like your sound on your television when watching the movie is a little bit broken <laughs> because it, it, it's not right if i heard that for example if i heard that noise on one of our recordings of the, the show here then i would be most upset and we would have to throw that show out yeah <laughs> you know it's a horrible horrible noise for somebody who listens to an awful lot of audio things like i do yeah doing these shows or we yeah. do um to hear this sort of purposeful scratchy echo on wes bentley's voice it, it's just i don't like listening to that yeah. so i didn't really love that aspect of the movie in particular and again him and his group of demons just fall into the category that, that most other things in this movie fall into of just being there giving a line or two of explanation as to why they're doing what they're doing but then you're just kind of forgetting why they're doing yes doing. and again like we mentioned they're very much easily dispatched they don't even feel like a major threat um and also kind of going into the romance as well i feel like they felt like well you established kind of some of it when they were younger in the beginning so we don't really need to get any deeper than that we can just say oh they haven't seen each other in years feelings are still there and that's it yeah and but you know, as as far as a basic story of a romance goes, that's fine. You know, we're kind of used to that romantic angle in in movies of this kind, and many many other movies. Yeah, um, younger lovers haven't seen each other for a long time, come back into each other's lives at pivotal moments, and 
fall back in love with each other. It's like, fine, yes, this is perfectly good romance story going on there. But like you say, that's all you get is just the base of it. There's yes, no... like instead of giving me scenes of him being quirky and eating jelly beans and watching cartoons, like give me give me a scene a scene of events who sat down together. Yes, actually having a conversation or him sitting there really feeling remorseful about how they ended things or you know having a real conversation about why that ended or something. Yeah. This, the, it seems a strange relationship as well. I mean, you wouldn't necessarily put Nick Cage and even Mendes together. Yeah. I don't think. Um, I can't even speak to the fact whether of, uh, as to whether they had good chemistry or not, because they don't talk to each other a great deal. No, they have maybe one full scene of actually having a conversation where he's like trying to explain to her like him becoming this ghostwriter thing. So um, you can't even say, you know, whether they actually work as a couple because they're barely as a couple. Yeah. In the movie. And they do try to it's add this comedic out. scene of him doing like this big jump on the anniversary of his father's death and then him immediately racing alongside her news van to try to like impress her or talk to her or whatever. But even that, like he just plants a kiss on her after them not seeing each other for all these years. They don't really talk anything through, you know, they insinuate that, yes, there are feelings still there, but there could have been more substance with that whole kind of moment and situation. Yeah. And clearly that is the be all and end all of 2007's Ghost Rider. Give me more substance your idea is perfectly good yes that is all you end up being you just so end up being is. a depiction of an idea you, and you, you can have fun with have, elements of that yeah. i mean i remember enjoying this movie when i first saw it in theaters i own it um on tvd um but i don't know that i've watched it recently like this was probably my first time watching it in a very long time and, you know, I always can find fun things in this era of comic book movies because for me, it was just a celebration of seeing characters on in comics come to life and the effort in doing that and like the excitement of seeing these characters just, you know, be made real in front of us. And so I, you know, got wholly swept up in that era of comic book movie and got really excited about it. But going into 2007 we're getting things that are getting more substance and visually looking really good um so the fact that this movie doesn't even really have that going for it is kind of a letdown so aside from some fun scenes and really just being entertained by Nicolas Cage doing his Nicolas Cage thing this movie doesn't have and Sam Elliott you know, being charming and narrative and wonderful. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry, I didn't, mean to, say, I didn't mean to say that so breathy. Um, I, think, I think you did. I think we know exactly <laughs> what's going on. Um, this movie doesn't really take the opportunity to delve any deeper than that, which is kind of disappointing because you're working with some really cool subject matter, a really cool character, some really cool visuals that you can work within. And they don't really take advantage of any of it. It's incredibly disappointing, really. Because I think the one thing you do want from these kind of fringe comic book movies is you understand, and I think we understand and I understand before getting into this series, that obviously they're not the most well-loved comic book movies of this particular studio, of this particular brand, um, obviously, yeah, but do they, you know, are they not the most well loved because they try and do something that was just too out there at the time they came out, or are they just not well loved because there's nothing to them and you want it to be that first one, you want it to be the former, you want it to be there's just something that's too out there that doesn't fall into some of the you know most of the rest of the bigger movies of it, of the kind 
that are coming out around the same time that everybody does like and that this is just doing something too different. And I wish that was the case with Ghost Rider. I felt it was the case with near enough all our DC movies. Yeah. Steel, I mean, is... <laughs> Is an is an enjoyable movie simply because of how nonsense it is. Is it, <laughs> it, it at least? And there's a bit of self aware nature to the nonsense. It at least has an idea of actually what it wants to be, yeah. which is just a Shaquille O'Neal jokey vehicle. That's what it wants to be, and that's what it is. Yeah, it's not good. It's not a good movie. It looks cheap. It looks weird. But it's enjoyable, I think, because it's got an actual focus. Yeah. Constantine's just a flat out a good movie. So I don't I don't see the issue with that. I think that's probably on the fringe side simply because it's just a, a great deal different to yeah. everything else that's going on from that particular company at the time. And not part of a specific kind of like universe of films. No. Um no, Catwoman's just not great and doesn't really have. I mean, does it's it very much like this. It, I think it's very much like this in the vein. Um, you know, I think this movie is better than Catwoman, uh, narratively. You know, I think, yeah, well, but, it's, it's a competent narrative. Yes, I think it is. But just in the Catwoman. fact that it, it 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 like in terms of with Catwoman, you could have at least given us some interesting visuals and things like that, but you don't. It looks very gummy and CGI and the lighting, yeah. everything just feels fake and phony. And here, everything kind of feels cheap. It doesn't look cool. There were opportunities to really delve into some creative stuff visually with this character, the flames, the skull, the iconography of it. You could have done so many cool things practically. Um, yeah. And they choose to not really do much with it. So just in terms of comparing it to something like Catwoman, you know, at least if your story is surface and not super deep, at least have, you know, your visuals or something or cinematography to, to hang your hat on. And this movie doesn't really, you know, put a focus on that. No. And it's why I'm comparing it most to, to Ryan Reynolds, Green Lantern. Yeah. Because it's it's just it's, it's visually unpleasant to look at, and has just the most base story going that it could possibly have, and yes. never gets deeper. Than. And even with the climax, like the climax ends up being kind of such a dud because it really does. They like set up this really cool moment, the reveal that Sam Elliott is this Carter Slade that he was telling this great story about and it's him. He reveals like the fact that you know we always see this character with the shovel digging graves and stuff and you know the whole thing is um he needs this contract because they've kidnapped Roxanne and he needs to take this contract in order to get Roxanne back. And so he goes to the caretaker to find the, to dig up the contract because, you know, he's hiding it somewhere and the reveal that it's in his shovel the whole time. The fact that he's Carter Slade and the fact that he's also a ghost rider and he's got the hat and he's on this like smoky ghost horse like all of that is yeah. so cool the fact that he reveals you know he can only change one last time and he was saving it for this and they ride off into the and he's like can you keep up and his horse is keeping up with the motorcycle and it's the two ghost riders and this old western guy and this old cool motorcycle guy and all of that is just so badass and cool just for them to ride up to the town where the whole big finale is supposed to happen and then Sam is like okay well that was fun my last time changing okay bye <laughs> like he doesn't even like join the fight no he like, doesn't what was, so what he just escorted him to the town <laughs> that's all Sam Sam Elliott's last ride ends up being absolutely pointless yeah as as epic uh, uh setup as it was and it's a really you know, it's the one time in the movie you feel like, oh, is this something it's building actually... something super Re cool. And yeah, like, really is interesting going to happen here. Yes, it feels it... like 
the last ride out of a, of an old western. It feels like oh, they're going to the town. They're going to actually yes, and you know, he like get the, the, the villains yes, and Sam Elliott's obviously on the flaming horse as well. So it, they're in like Monument Valley. So it really feels like yes, the genre, and, it was the and thing. then it just goes bash. Okay, we're not actually bye. Doing that. Yes, I'm leaving. He tosses him the gun. It would be so cool if they fought together. You know, Sam Elliott's shooting the gun from on top of the horse. If, you know, Sam Elliott was not like stunt ready or something because of his age at the time. I don't know. He's in CGI skeleton face for most of it. Yeah. So don't act Sam Elliott doesn't really have to do anything. Um, Just have to speak. Yes, just have him help out, do a little bit of shooting from the from the sidelines or, you know, riding his horse and killing dudes or something, and then he could take off. But the fact that he's just, I'm just going to escort you to the town for my last ride. Okay, deuces. Like, it's like, weird. What? Because it's it weird. felt so cool, and it was, like, I loved that whole sequence of him revealing that he's really that bounty hunter that he was telling the story about, the thing hidden in his shovel the whole time, all of that, and then this whole cool ass ride, like, got me hyped, just for him to be like, oh yeah, okay, well, see ya. <laughs> it just, it speaks to... So then I didn't really, getting to that finale was so generic, and so I just did not have fun with that last little bit of the movie. It speaks to the issue with this Ghost Rider movie is that at the uh, the base level, it has some interest there, or you have some interest in it, but it constantly keeps letting you down by not actually properly following things through and properly you know showing what i think it probably should show and what yeah. it should at least depict and i know there's been a more recent depiction of a ghost rider i don't think it's johnny blaze i think it's some other version of oh, ghost rider in, in yeah in one of the shows um, I don't know, obviously, yeah, if that is that. any more of a uh, a well-liked depiction of Ghost Rider. And what I will say is that I feel like, in terms of a Ghost Rider book, a Ghost Rider comic book, I feel like I would be, I would be somewhat interested in it. And I think, certainly from an art point of view, I think if you had, you know, a re some really great top level art in a ghost rider book i don't think i'd mind that much if the if the writing wasn't necessarily the best because here is a visual character that is let down by the visuals in this movie but surely can't be let down by the visuals in the books right surely can't be let down by the visuals because yeah. he's a visual character he's not just a man he's a flaming skull biker yes. that is a so simple, much cool you know stuff to work with alone with the, also, bike and the skull and the flames and the <laughs> I, it's it's actually making me appreciate i think the punisher from last week a little bit more as Yes, okay, I felt there wasn't a great deal there, but there was more there than in this movie. Yes, was, and again... Was, was much more there than in this movie. Yes, and again, I think Daredevil, you know, has its very much cheesy comic book moments, but they actually make a little bit more effort to delve into the tragic circumstances of that character. So considering it's from the same director and he doesn't really take the time to do that with this and give it at least a little bit of depth is just kind of weird to me what is it about daredevil then that people revile that, i mean you think people revile i mean i think it's very much a product of of the era it's very cheesy it's very quippy there are scenes that just come off as kind of corny we have a playground fight scene that feels very reminiscent of the Catwoman, uh you know basketball scene is um, it tonally consistent 
Yes, I would say so. But it delves into the tragedy, but also is a quippy goofy. Yes, because we have, you know, him going blind and him losing his father and that kind of prompting him to become this, this, you know, vigilante that he becomes. And we get it through a lot of kind of narration that feels a little bit like trying too hard. But you know, I think they set up the tragedy of this character pretty well and they set up why this character needs to do what he needs to do pretty well. And they do delve into um, the emotional aspects of this character a whole lot better than I think this movie does. Okay. Okay. I mean, mean, I'm interested really. And I'm interested because I'm, I am very familiar with Daredevil, you know, yes that, that this, will this will, you will definitely will not surpass the version of daredevil that you know but i mean but no, I, but, I mean i find no, movie, and i haven't seen it in a while either so it'll be interesting to kind of revisit it again from this lens of you know you know of of having more familiarity more recency with the this newer version of the character i don't even just mean charlie cox's daredevil i mean the comic book comic book daredevil as well i am very familiar with so that there's there's plenty of different you know angles of daredevil that i do enjoy yes and and, yes and there are efforts i think in the daredevil movie to actually replicate shots from comic books and things like okay so so there are some visual interesting things that they try to do um, you know, we have a character who leaves, leaves roses on the bodies he kills. So they do a lot of kind of visual things with that. So there's some effort there to give it this comic book feel. So the fact that none of that really translated to this same director's other film, especially working with such a visually interesting character, was just kind of a bummer. Um, I mean, yeah. And that, then that, this final, film... that final episode of this series is going to be... A, a, a little bit of a different um <laughs> episode yeah um even you know when you consider all our i mean all our dc i suppose all our dc movies that we did all our fringe dc movies and all our fringe marvel movies catwoman comes as a caveat because i'm obviously very familiar with catwoman however the movie catwoman isn't actually about selena kyle catwoman it's something totally different. Yes. So it's not really something you're familiar with. Um, so that's kind of weird and on its own. But literally all the other characters are characters I am either barely or just flat out not familiar with that we've covered. Okay. Apart from Daredevil and Electra that I am very familiar with. Okay. So I'm really curious to delve into that for our final kind of double feature discussion. But yeah, I mean, I mean we've just got an episode before that, yes, but I yes. it's you <laughs> oh, know fi- any final answer. thoughts on on Ghost Rider. I, I will mean... also bring up this point. We had a flaming skull that the Punisher last week <laughs> managed to um set up in all those cars for his, yeah, little, mm-hmm. for his little showpiece at the end of that movie. Um, again, it's making me actually appreciate much more of the things that The Punisher did after having watched this movie. It's just a bit weird to me that yes, it would I did. be The Punisher and not in Ghost Rider, a movie about a man. Yes, so I did hint to you that we will see another character reveal their logo with flames. So I'm just, you know... It's I'm, not I'm, Ghost Rider. <laughs> no, which funnily enough... Um, it only leaves one Tim, left. In the Tim Story Fantastic Four films, we got the logo in flames as well. Did, we, did, so, did Chris Evans Human Torch do that? He did. He did make a four in the sky. <laughs> oh dear. Oh dear. Yes, um, it he did. He did. Um, so who knows if uh, that will happen in the, the Fantastic Four film that we'll be talking in this series. But just to close out, the, I mean, the end of this movie, it's kind of the seemingly smartest but kind of dumb finale twist because you think you know on the surface you think oh my gosh it's such a smart idea to defeat our villain the fact that we set up earlier that the 
kind of pow most powerful thing about a ghost rider is this kind of soul stare that they can do. They can have yeah. you stare into their eyes and show them all of the terrible things they've done to put them into like this state of shock or whatever and, and like yeah essentially burn up their soul yes because they're seeing all of the, the evil things they've done turned back on them and he tries to do this earlier to the west bentley character and he's like you can't do that to me i don't have a soul ha 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 but in the end he gets the contract all of the souls enter his body and so now you think, oh my gosh, that's so smart. Now Ghost Rider can do the stare on him because he didn't realize that having all these souls in him, yeah. you know, Ghost Rider could do the stare on him. So you think on the surface, that's kind of smart. But like, then you think, no, that's really stupid. How would he not think about that? <laughs> How would Wes Bentley not think about that? Because they didn't think about that. <laughs> because they he literally calls it, it out earlier cool. in the film. He tells him, ha ha ha, you can't do your stare on me because I don't have a soul. You think when a thousand souls enter your body now, you didn't think that that was going to like... Maybe, maybe he didn't. Maybe it's because it's not his own soul. Maybe it's so because maybe it's other people's thought... souls. Mm, okay. You don't know. And then, and then, of course, you know, Johnny Blaze turns around on, on Mephistopheles as well. And Peter Fondu comes back in and just says, I'm going to own this curse and seek vengeance on yeah so i'm gonna fight you know you then and, and fight for good and fight against you and and own this curse and blah 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 and the way that nick cage delivers this is so flat it is like it very very flat. so cool and powerful it's so unusual and it just felt very flat for him because if there's just one thing you don't yet. if there's one thing you never ever consider nick cage to be is flat. it's flat and for so, some reason in this movie he is pretty consistently flat. Yes, and in, in delivering these monologue character lines that you would see in the final page of the comic book or something. And this is a character he loves, and the fact that he just delivers this, you know, I'm going to fight fire with fire kind of thing, you know, and he just says it very kind of dryly. It's just... <sighs> it, was, it was disappointing. Jimmy. Yes. So I love when he's giving it his Nick Cage kind of crazy over the topness in moments, some of that is entertaining. I loved everything Sam Elliott was doing. I love that final ride. Yeah. The fact that it just ends there is kind of stupid. Yeah, the 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 thirty, the 30 seconds worth of riding through the deserts really good. It's the best part of the movie. You know, I I, I appreciated the moments of Eva Mendez's anxiety when you know Nick Cage wouldn't show up to a date, or you know she sees something that reminds her of him and she gets annoyed like all of those little quirky things i think were fun little relatable character choices but ultimately i wish there was more um time given to flesh out that relationship and and make it feel more purposeful and make it feel you know bigger in the finale when she gets kidnapped and he has to save her and yeah. this is a big risk and you know because even what he even what eva mendez is doing in this movie is 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 perfectly good there's just yeah. there's, there's not there's not enough. enough of her character and there's not enough of her character with John. With him, yeah, to, to really establish this relationship or really show you any true chemistry. Um, so, yeah, I think there are elements here of fun things, um, but it's just so surface level, especially when you're dealing with a character that seems to have so much dark, interesting things about him and you don't go there with it. And even not taking advantage of the cool visuals as this character provides and really just making it kind of not great CGI. Because I mean, even at that time, I mean, we had things out like Harry Potter and things like, I think, uh, you know, that- Pirates of the Caribbean. Yes, that were doing good things with practical stuff, practical makeup and special effects. And, you know, so it was possible to elevate things a little bit, but- yeah, they just keep the year after happening. the year after Ghost Rider came out, was Iron Man and, and Iron Man. So and Iron Man. the start of the MCU happened the year after this. So but uh, but if you're talking about visual effects and see and quality CG, you know, you, you really you are probably talking about Avatar. 
at this particular time. Yeah. And that was one year after. I mean, I know James Cameron's particularly innovative when it comes to technological advancement in movies, sure. But, and then, you know, okay, maybe it's not given the same amount of love that, or, you know, maybe Ghost Rider's not given the same amount of love as, and dedication as, as Avatar and all its were, you know, the, the Avatar Way of Water more recently has been given. But the possibility is there to be significantly visually better than this movie. Yes, and you're working with this skull, you know, this face and melting off into a skull. Like, combine that practicality with some digital effects with the flames, and you have something really cool. Yeah, it's just a shame. And it's also, shout out to Rebel Wilson playing the, uh, <laughs> the yes, witness the on the news. Yes. yes. In the in the unusual, strange kind of goth makeup. Yeah. It's uh yeah, that was fun. That was a fun fun little uh, early role cameo. Yeah. A, a known face and a yes. known person. Yes, we like that. But yes, I think there we go, Janine, for Ghost Rider yes. two thousand and seven on Morgan hasn't seen fringe marvel movie series perhaps i'm still going with genuinely the most enjoyable and watchable of these movies we've done so far might be howard the dope damn <laughs> because at least it's quite enjoyable from a weird point of view yeah like i feel like i would want to watch that more than these other two that we've done so far. Okay, okay. I, I, I really do. As as complete, and and it's because it's out there. It's because it's wildly different. Yeah. And it doesn't just feel like the samey, bland, surfacey comic book movie that these last two have. Even though I do think Ghost Rider is the weakest of the three. I think we've done so okay. far. Okay. I really do, and it's a shame. And it's a shame, uh, but yeah, as far as a uh, hellish, demonic, devil-battling comic book characters go, give me Mr. Constantine, not Mr. Blaze. <laughs> okay. okay, that's fair. I think I'll have, to, really, uh, I'll have to. Uh, I'll have to stand on that particular pedestal. I yes. think. But of course, uh, it is not the only show we have on this podcast feed Morgan hasn't seen and, and we have got a couple more episodes in this series to go uh, of course we've spoken about our last episode that, that we, we're going to be doing for this series which is that Daredevil and Electra double feature yes. from 2003 and 4 is it or 2003 and 5 um, I think they're pretty close I want to say maybe they are a year apart 3 and 4 um, but we do have next week It'll be a fan four stick, won't it? It'll be yes. 2015's fan four stick, the heavily reviled Fantastic Four movie that was made purely to keep the rights to the Fantastic Four. At it was uh, 2005 Electra, by the way. So is it Universal? Universal had Fantastic mm. Four, or Fox yeah. had Fantastic Fox. Four? Yes, Fox had Fantastic Four. Um. Yes, there we go. Morgan hasn't seen this show. It's not the only show we have here because, of course, we have It's a Wonderful Podcast, the main show on Fridays, celebrating old movies, showing love to old movies, giving them a platform to actually be wonderful themselves yes. and to introduce them to some people, to just show some love to them, to celebrate them, discovering new old movies as well as we often yeah. like to do over on the main show. Um, we have uh, the It's a Wonderful Podcast YouTube channel, of course, as well, which uh, has this show's spin-off on, which is based around TV shows. We have a video up or an episode up talking about the beginnings of Dawson's Creek, as well as the first couple of episodes of DC's Peacemaker. So if you're into your comic book movies i would imagine you are having listened to this episode yes you might be interested in that as well and of course monday 
um, content will be back soon enough. Do not fear. It certainly will be. Um, but for the moment, Morgan hasn't seen, and it's a wonderful podcast, at least, is every week on the It's a Wonderful podcast feed. But yes, we have the YouTube channel as well with all its wonderful stuff on for you to go and subscribe and ding your notification bells over on there. Uh, and subscribe, of course, to this podcast feed on all major podcast platforms or whichever you prefer to use. If you would like to join us on Patreon, go to patreon.com slash it's a wonderful one. Find the tier that is right for you. We would love you forever for your endless generosity if you were to do such a thing as that. There is also a donation link in the description down below as well as that Patreon link. Or and or you can just find us on social media on Twitter because that's its name at It's a Wonderful One for the show. You can find me on Twitter at the Purple Don with a three instead of the E and the because Janine. Three is the magic number. On Instagram and TikTok at the Purple Don. All your blazing stuff is <laughs> where. You can find me at Janine DeBean underscore on Twitter. Janine DeBean on Instagram and TikTok. If you want to get any merch for any of our shows, just check the description for the link or search It's a Wonderful Podcast on teespring.com. And if you want to purchase any of my art in print form, you can find that at my big cartel shop, g9design.bigcartel.com. Well, I mean, there is an there is an impressionism. <laughs> no, just need to do. I know you said I you can't. I'm not good. You said you didn't want to do it, but you love him dearly. I do love him, and dearly. he's got such a. a <laughs> I can't hit that deep amber. <laughs> you can't. You, you... It's too I mean, deep. I can try, but it, it's just too too um, kind of Texas for me. For my voice, I, I can't quite go with that <laughs> pronunciation, to be honest. But I can go the depth, I can do the depth, but yeah. I can't do the pronunciation. You you probably have it the other way around. <laughs> yes. Okay, well, I will try. I'm not saying this is good because I know it's going to be bad, so don't I'll, I'll just I'll, I'll just comb my mustache while you do it just to... Uh, okay. <laughs> Motivate uh, me. Okay. <laughs> Three, two, one. <laughs> Very deep. Yes, we like that. Bye. Bye.